0: So we dutifully pay it, but we never question, is this the most efficient use of my money? Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs.
1: I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial, Consulting, and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to Portfolio. Pulse, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life they deserve. In every episode, we either interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that's not only building a business, but giving back to the community as well. And we also present subjects in finance that are relevant today. We're not here just to talk about money. We also talk about meaning and maximum impact. It's been a little over a month since I've released a podcast. I've been super busy running two businesses, got two kids, you know, life just gets away from me, especially in the summertime. So for those that have been wondering where I am, I've just been slam full, but thank you for your, uh, your patience with me as I get some great content out to you guys. Speaking of great content, we have an excellent guest I'm excited to share with you all today. His name is Adam Carroll of the Shred Method. Um, Adam has been a financial educator for 20 years. He resides in Iowa. I'll let him explain a little bit more about that. He has a TED Talk. It's on YouTube, has over 6 million views on it. So I believe he knows exactly what he's talking about. And he has been helping people eradicate debt and build
0: wealth via his Shred Method. Glad to have you on, Adam. It's so good to be here with you, Stephen. And I have to tell you, man, that in the intro, Uh, You mentioned not only is it money, but it's meaning and maximum impact. Mm -hmm. I love that uh, because money in itself is, is not the end. It's a means to an end, right? That's exactly right. I
1: preach. It's just a tool. It's a way for you to afford the lifestyle or the things that you want and the goals you want to accomplish. So let's figure out how to use it effectively.
0: I love it. I love it. It's so good (laughs) to be with you.
1: Thanks, man. Well, let's learn, let's learn a little bit more about the shred method. And if you want to give us a brief background into who you are and why you're so successful.
0: You know, I, um, I was a, I was a debt statistic in college. That's kind of what started it all for me, Stephen. I was a, okay. a rich college kid. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you knew any of those, but they were the guys who were like flashing the plastic at the bar and uh, inviting everyone to, I'll just grab, you know, I'll get the next round, I'll get the next round. And uh, that was me through and through. And then I got out of school and realized I had been a rich college kid, but I quickly became a broke professional mm. and uh, started digging into money uh, books on money, personal finance. And it was per the recommendation of this gentleman that I met who was a super successful, very wealthy oil, uh, oil and gas business owner. And you'd never know it. I mean, you went to his, I went to his office building and it was this nondescript cement colored building. And he was very um, unassuming and asked me lots of questions about myself and um, made some very generous offers while I was there about he had a boat uh harbored in Florida somewhere. And he said, Have you ever been to the Bahamas? You should take my boat to the Bahamas. And I'm just like, Who are you? And how does this exist? You know? Yeah. And he said, um, you need to go right away, go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the cash flow quadrant. And then he gave me a whole list of other books that I should read after that. I read the two and then came back to him and he said, Okay, now read Think and Grow Rich and the Wealthy Barber and the Richest Man in Babylon. And um, the Millionaire Next Door and and Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Just gave me a whole litany of books. And I over the course of two years, I read 120 books on personal finance. Wow! And they say that if you read seven books on any topic, you are now an expert in that topic. And so I decided, well, if I've read all this and I've started applying the wealth building uh, practices, tactics, strategies, why wouldn't I go teach it? And so I did that. I started teaching money uh, all the different elements and aspects of money to high school and college students and then as i got older and more experienced started teaching executives and you know employees of companies and and uh, i get hired by credit unions and banks now so i've been doing this work for a long time and in the midst of it realized the power of the shred method and and candidly, just how expensive debt is or debt can be for some people, mm-hmm. and um, and then figured out some ways to to effectively uh, create income efficiency for people so that they pay less uh, amounts of interest in debt and are able to put more money away for themselves for the future.
1: Man, that's, that's powerful stuff. And reading 120 books on personal finance, that's a lot of time spent, you know, with your nose in a book trying to learn and better yourself. I've read quite a few of the books you mentioned, especially Rich Dad Poor Dad, Greatest, uh, Richest Man in Babylon, The Greatest Salesman in the World. You know those yes. those books. I think they're written by the same guy, except for Robert Kiyosaki's. But what would okay, just to our listeners, your top three finance books that really made the most impact for you of those of those like 120 you read. What are the top three that you'd recommend people read today?
0: Well, the Cash Flow Quadrant for me was one of the ones that that I would put up there in the top three category because I learned that you really make wealth on the right side of the quadrant, right? And the for those who haven't read it, I'm sure many of your listeners have, but, but the left side of the quadrant is the E and the S, the employee and the self-employed uh, sides of the quadrant. On the right side of the quadrant is the business owner and the investor. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, candidly, Stephen, I was an employee and I was really wanting to be a bit, uh, I was really wanting to get to self-employed And then I wanted to be a business owner and all along, I really wanted to be in the investment category, but I realized in reading it that you could be an E and you could be in the I quadrant at the same time. And so investing for me became really important. It was a, it was a, you know, a high priority part of my investment scheme. So, so I would highly recommend cashflow quadrant. I read a book. Now this one's going to seem a little woo woo, but I read a book called a happy pocket full of money. And not a lot of people have heard of this book, but it it was written by a guy named David Cameron Jacandi, who is uh, I believe he resides in Africa somewhere. The book is less about money and it's more about quantum physics and the idea that what we think about we bring about. And what I learned from that was the the whole idea of timing of us wanting to be multimillionaires or have a home or you know buy a yacht or whatever our thing is that it, you know in ten years this is what I'll have and he said don't put a time frame on it because the universe may respond in way uh less time than you think it will so somebody who says i'd like to make my first million by 30 or 50 or whatever the number is why put a date on it because the idea may be right around the corner for you that will generate that first million and if you say by 50 then then the universe goes oh well by 50 we have plenty of time to give it to you then so so that was a really interesting kind of juxtaposition for me in reading that book about timing, and then the last one was a good book. You know, again, this one maybe has less to do about money, but the Four Hour Work Week mm-hmm. by Tim Ferriss right. for me was super eye opening and revealing because the book is really about how do you make your time more valuable, and because all we have, all of us have the exact same amount of time, you know, every out every week. Um, same number of hours every week, we have to make the hours more valuable in order to make more money, or we need to put our money to work for us so that we don't have to work the hours that we're putting in. (laughs) And it was, it was like literally a lights, a light uh, switch that was flipped for me when I read that and started going down this path of how do I make more money in an hour than most people make in a month. And I just kept asking myself that question over and over and over again until the answer started to reveal themselves. Which were things like, you know, build content because you can do the work once and then get paid, get paid, get paid, get paid, get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, things like insurance or investments, right? Those are things where you do the work once and you get paid, get paid, get paid. Um, writing books, doing documentaries, speeches for me. You know, if I get paid to go do a speech, I work for an hour. Um, but if my rate is somewhere between five and ten thousand dollars for a gig, that's a pretty good hourly rate, and it, it it affords me a lot of free time. To then develop myself or teach others give back right have impact in other ways um so i would put those three in my top three category sorry it's a long answer to a short question no
1: those are those are excellent books and i like that you gave reasons behind it's kind of like a summary of the book for you now what you got out of it i think all three of these um i mean even even rich dad poor dad has to do with something i've mentioned on a previous podcast which is called parkinson's law Yes. The amount of time you have to fulfill a a goal or whatever it is, you're going to take every bit of that time. So that's why I think the four hour work week is so important. You have a higher, a higher value on time versus, versus money. And when you realize that the paradigm shift happens for you, then you're going to
0: be way more effective and efficient
1: with the time you're spending on projects.
0: Yes. And you know, this is such a great topic because I'm, I'm, I'm a student of high performance too. I want to know what what makes high performers high performers? Mm-hmm. What do they do? How do they do it? And that whole idea of Parkinson's law, when I read that in the four-hour work week, you know, the idea that the perceived complexity of a task is directly related to how long you give yourself to complete it. And so just this morning, I have I have a, a, a keynote address that I'm delivering next week. And the uh, gentleman that I'm working for called and said, hey, can I get your slide deck? And can I see the outline? And what do you have? And I had it all kind of formulated in my mind, but knew that I needed to put, you know, paper to pen and just say, this has got to, this has got to be done. And um, I gave myself an hour and I said, for 20 minutes, I'm going to brainstorm what the outline looks like 20 minutes. I'm going to build what the slides look like. And then I'm going to outsource my slide creation to someone else. Cause they're way better at designing the slides <laughs> than I am. Right. And I'll pay them, you know, 50 bucks or 75 bucks and it's totally worth it. And for me, it is the compression of time that makes me most effective. And I think even for your, your listeners, you know, whether medical professionals or they're entrepreneurs, when we really figure out how to sharpen the saw and be the best that we can be for a dedicated short burst of time, we can make a ton of money in that amount of time and then create freedom and flexibility elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But it requires that we, we focus on sharpening the saw and getting better at things like whatever our production is, um, the way our money is invested, the way we handle cash flow. Like there are efficiencies in all of these that we can get better at. And I think it's shows like yours, Stephen, that help articulate that. And hopefully people kind of go, oh yeah, I could get better at whatever my it could be my meal plan, right? That that creates some high efficiency for me or high performance.
1: I'd love for people to be more, you know, open to being effective with their meal plan just from learning about money. You know, how, how yeah, that right. translates? I'd be able totally. to that. Well, I think um, it'd be important for the audience to understand what exactly is the Shred Method? How does it help people?
0: And how does it help them build wealth? So in a nutshell, the Shred Method uses a very simple uh, financial product that virtually any bank or credit union offers, but most people either... Don't have or don't use. They have one, but they don't use it. And this super simple financial product creates a financial arbitrage or interest rate arbitrage against long-term compound interest debt. Mm-hmm. So think mortgage, business practice debt, um, or medical practice debt, dental practice debt. It could be student loans. It could be anything that's that's a, a significant amount. Call it two hundred to a million dollars, right in debt. And what most of us don't realize is that the interest that we pay on that debt is the second largest expense that we'll ever have in life. So the first is taxes Mm -hmm. and the second is the interest expense on debt. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that years and years ago, probably 15 years ago, um, it was a tax planner that I was working with. And he said, Adam, you know, the two greatest expenses we have are taxes and the interest expense on debt. And, And he said, if we can figure out how to minimize your taxes, you're halfway there. And then I was like, well, what if we figured out how to minimize the interest expense on debt? How much extra could you create to build freedom and flexibility? And I was introduced to the shred method through um, a gentleman that had worked for me for a time. I owned a mortgage company for about five years, Stephen, and realized that every two years, people would come back and they would want to refinance their mortgage. And every time they refinance their mortgage, they might save $75 or $100, $150 a month but it would cost them four or five thousand dollars to refinance, right? And then it would reset the clock back to thirty years, and they would restart paying all that interest that they had already paid. And it was like there's got to be a better way to do this. And what I realized was that the the secret financial product, the super simple financial product that everyone has or has access to, is a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, or a BLOC, a business line of credit, right. if you're a, a, a business owner. And most people have those, um, but I'm curious for you what you've seen, Stephen. Why do they have the B lock or the H lock? They, flexi- they have it for
1: flexibility. They have it for emergency reserves while they're building their inventory of capital.
0: Yep. Um,
1: I've I've seen people. I've guided them on you know to pay tuition bills with it. You know whatever yep. it is
0: they need. If they've got flexibility from having that available capital. Yep. So flexibility mm-hmm. becomes one of the main drivers and. Uh, an emergency fund. I hear that a lot, business yeah. owners that are just getting started. It's like, well, if I need to dip into it for payroll or what have you, I'm going to use the, the B-lock for that. The HELOC is interesting because most people will take out a HELOC in order to buy a four-wheeler or buy an RV or take a vacation or put a roof on their house. right? And then they they treat it just like any other normal loan in that the bank says, hey, you owe $15,000 on the, the roof that you just placed on your, your house and the monthly payment on that's going to be, you know, $215 over the next 10 years or whatever the, the time frame is. So we dutifully pay it, but we never question: is this the most efficient use of my money and could I be using it differently? So what the shred method does is it teaches people how to create what we call income efficiency, where your income cycles through the HELOC on a month by month basis. And the software that powers the shred method will through a number of complex algorithms say, based on your income, based on your expenses, um, based on the interest rate on these debts, take this chunk of money out of your HELOC. And it could be a few hundred dollars. It could be a few thousand dollars and send it to your compound interest debt, like your mortgage or your practice debt. And what we're doing in the process is we're lopping off huge chunks of that principal balance thereby uh, accelerating the amortization table. So it's not going to be a 30-year deal. It's going to be, now it's 26, now it's 22, now it's 18. And for most people, we can get them out of debt completely, mortgage, uh, their cars, their student loan debt, credit card debt, within three to seven years, depending on their their, uh, discretionary income, what their expenses are and things like that.
1: So, so these individuals using the SHRED method, can they prioritize savings and paying off debt effectively at the same time?
0: They can. And in fact, the software has uh, a number of data sets that we can enter that are things like, uh, are you funding a 401k or a Roth IRA or a SEP account? Or mm-hmm. are you just prioritizing saving? Do you want to put $500 a month into a, a savings plan or a 529? Um, and, and the cool part about it, Stephen, is it's a very... Sophisticated projection tool that we can literally see what the delta is. So if you're putting money in a five twenty nine plan at five hundred dollars a month, and I, and I'll ask this routinely of clients, I'll say, well, what is your goal with that? Well, you know, hopefully someday, fingers crossed, it's enough money that it'll be able to afford my kids' college education, yeah. and and then we'll run the numbers of, well, what if you had an additional five hundred dollars in debt reduction? And you have the house paid off in four years' time. As a result, how could you, a could you cash flow college? The answer generally is yes. Or could you drop thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars at one time in that five twenty nine plan, thereby increasing the ability to do some com- some you know compound interest building uh, between now and whatever your kid goes to school. So it it affords us the ability to get really creative about how people are leveraging their. Their month-to-month finances and you know cash flow as a tool.
1: Very interesting. You know, um, people want this long-term compound interest in their investment accounts, but if you're paying way more in compound interest on the debts that you owe, it's eaten up. That the arbitrage you're talking about is not there. That's right. So the shred method actually helps increase that arbitrage amount, which is the difference between
0: what you pay in interest and what you earn in interest. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because if you, and I'm sure you've seen this, your clients have probably seen it. If you look at an amortization table visually, Mm -hmm. it looks like a waterfall, right? It's fairly flat at the beginning and then it just crests and goes down. Yeah. And if you look at what an investment account should do over time, it's the opposite. It starts really lean and then it goes and then it skyrockets in the last few years. Well, what if we could short circuit both of them? What if you can make your mortgage look like a slide and your net worth look like a rocket ship, you know, mm-hmm. going straight up. You can do that, but it requires a different kind of level of thought about how much is paid off and when and why I'm doing it that way. And I mean, it would be fair to say that that the way we approach things might be a little contrarian. And at the same time, there are advisors who love what we're doing on the backside because while some advisors may be saying, "Hey, let's just dollar cost average in," and we might continue to do that. But in three or four years, what if you, as a client, are able to say, "I'm just going to drop 50 grand in the market when the you know when the time is right, or certain times throughout the year, I'm just going to drop this in, knowing that you have no debt now." What you're doing is you're sort of leveraging your HELOC or BLOC in this case into future investments and cash flow opportunities. Sure, that's a good
1: point. I mean, that brings up the question: is how can professionals be more efficient with their income? You know, I mean, you mentioned the. Yep. The, the waterfall turning into a slide yep, and then creating that rocket ship effect on your wealth. Tell us how people can be more efficient with their income.
0: So there, there are two metaphors that I like to use to describe this. Um, and the first I'm going to ask you, Stephen, is uh, if you left your home in the morning to go to the grocery store, as an example, and you left at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and you go to the grocery store, you get groceries, you come back home knowing that you've got to run an errand out to Target later on that afternoon at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, would you come home and park your car in your driveway and let it idle all day long, knowing that you're going to leave again at three or four o'clock?
1: No, I would not. Why wouldn't you? I think it will be a waste of gas and energy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be wasteful. It's not efficient, bad on the environment. Um, somebody might steal your car. Like there's all <laughs> sorts of reasons why, why you wouldn't do it. And yet what most people do, what most professionals do is, whether it's revenue income from the business or it's personal income that we're making from our practice or our our entrepreneurial venture, the money goes into a checking account and it sits there. And for some people, it sits there for a pretty significant amount of time. And when I say checking, it could be checking, it could be savings, could be a money market account, but we we start plugging money away. We put it away for a while and it just sits there. And I can speak from experience that when I first got married, I asked my wife, How much do you need in money, you know, in savings to feel safe and secure at any given point in time. And without skipping a beat, she said $30,000. And I thought she'd hit the Listerine too hard that morning, honestly, because I was (laughs) like, you're out of your mind. And she said, you asked, I need 30 grand. And so it took us a couple of years, but we put $30,000 in a money market account. And it sat there and it sat there for the better part of 10 years. And it probably made maybe two percent for a period of time, and and you know today it's making a quarter of a percent if we're lucky. Right. And yeah. what could that money have done had it been put somewhere that was either eradicating debt or building wealth somewhere? And so, what I find is that uh, it's inefficient to park your money somewhere, as opposed to keeping it moving, but knowing you have access to it. And this is the misnomer among BLOCs and HELocs is. I have it, it's there in case of an emergency. But what if you flip the script and said, I have it and it's a tool that I can use to not only preserve my liquidity and my uh, my solvency, Mm -hmm. uh, but also to use to either blast away debt or build wealth on the back end of blasting away debt. Because it is a really, really powerful tool. It's like a two way street. Money goes in and money comes out all the time. But only if we refashion how our income is flowing through the system. So the second metaphor real quick, and I know you have a question, which I want you to ask, but the second metaphor is that there, there are businesses that have really big buckets of money that are sitting there and they're sitting there ostensibly because it makes them feel safe and secure, but their income is consistent. It's predictable. Um, they now, they may even have three or four big buckets of money that are there and 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 ready and waiting for them. So we have to actually figure out how many buckets do we actually need in reserve and how many of those extra buckets that are full should we be redeploying somewhere else to more quickly fill in the buckets that aren't full so that we can redeploy them again so they can fill up faster. You know, at some point we can make this like a video game that you can't lose. You got the cheat codes for the video right. game. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. You got the
1: manuals. Uh, you know, that that brings up a point about being more efficient with the dollars you have on hand. And that's some of the things that we do in practice here at Husky Financial is like, you know, you have all this money. Why don't we utilize it more efficiently and put it to use? Knowing you have full access to the money in other areas, whether it's a home equity line, whether it's, you know, whether it's a non-qualified investment account, it's still making you money. Yep. So yes, it might make you feel more comfortable to go log into your Wells Fargo or your Bank of America account and see 15 G's or 30 G's sitting
0: there. Yeah. But could you do more with it? Why you have access to it? Yes it, And to that end, I I always ask why? Why is it? Why, why does it make you feel confident and comfortable to see that number sitting there? And when I ask why, I'm not I, you know I'm I'm not trying to challenge them and their notion of what is safe and secure, but to figure out why is that the the importance? The psychology behind it, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Because for most people, they don't really know case in point. There was a, um, a business owner that I engaged with not too long ago. He had a million dollars in cash reserves in his practice. He had, um, about half a million in accounts receivable. He had $500,000 in cash in a home account, like a a personal savings account. He owed about $300,000 on a mortgage, which again, I'm like, okay, why, you know? (laughs) And, and he was, he was actively saving money towards different things like This trip and this home renovation and you know, this and that. So I started saying, Well, can you help me understand why the cash, why all the cash? Because the amount he had just in receivables was enough to operate his business for a good solid three months. Yeah. So he had probably a year's worth of cash on hand to operate the business in a really safe, secure, stable kind of practice that he was in. And the answer he gave me, Stephen, probably won't surprise you. He said, because my dad always told me cash is king. Yeah. And I was like, typically the answer I get. Yeah. And your dad told you that in the 1980s, when interest rates were 13% on a passbook savings account, (laughs) cash today is a melting ice cube on your counter. Mm -hmm. And and that's the challenge is we're still using old outdated scripts and stories. And some of them, we don't even know what they are. Another example. Um, There's a young lady that I was working with who said, I just don't even want to think about money. And she thought what I, what I did was, was kind of stupid and foolish. And, and I, so I'm digging in, I said, so help me understand why. Oh, money. It's just so boring. And why do people even worry about money? And, and I said, you know, typically people who say that either come from means because they, they've never had to worry about money or they've had some situation that causes them to react that way to money. So we started digging into what her earliest money memories were and her relationship to money. Coincidentally, there are over a hundred emotions that people have around money. And when I started digging into her situation, divorced parents, her dad had no money, was an entrepreneur in her young formative years. So her mom worked and cursed her dad up and down all the time because he was, you know, hopefully someday this pays off, but I'm the one foot in the bill and doing all the work and so on and so forth. And so they end up getting a divorce. Well, then his business hits. And he starts making more money than he's ever made in his life. Yeah. And the mom mm-hmm. is going to the, to the mailbox every Friday, looking for a child support check, cursing her ex-husband in front of her daughter, you know, over and over again. And you realize that, 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 that is an emotion that people are going to feel around money. And at some point they may go, I don't even like dealing with it because it creates these negative emotions for me. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the psychology yeah. piece behind that is these early money memories are creating these unexplicable, you know, paradigms in these people's minds about how they, are supposed yes. to use their cash and what they're supposed to keep on hand. They might not be able to explain it to you, but I think the digging behind it and understanding the why behind all those different emotions is going to make them feel more either confident or less confident in what they have going on. So I think yes. working with professionals who can take the emotionality out of these decisions that you're making, and, but but give you some education and knowledge. To understand the complexity of money, but yet also how to effectively create more wealth because of how you see things differently. Totally, that's how professionals can make a big difference. Uh, you know, wealth psychology is is its own subject in finance, and so I think the fact that you're teaching wealth psychology to people and the emotionality about how these dollars are being used, spent, created, invested. Can yes. make all the difference in the world for you know entrepreneurs, especially medical professionals, if they own their own practice or they're working for a, you know a corporate well you know a corporate higher being. There's so many different advantages that you have that yeah. maybe you don't know about. So speak with one of us. Let us help you out and figure out you know what it is the why behind your money. What's your financial mission statement? What are the reasons you're going to work every day and why do you work so
0: hard? So true. I'm working with a, a surgeon right now, who um, he's wanting to do a retreat for surgeons because he said there is life beyond surgery and there are a lot of surgeons out there that make great money. that probably live a really healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. and are afraid that when they, they leave that, you know, that environment, what are they going to be? Who are they going to be? What do they do? And he said, you know, you've worked so hard for so long and this is all, you know, let's figure out something else. And, and so we're touching on money and certainly wealth psychology. But you're spot on. If you have a professional that has some background in that, and I know you have a psychology degree, mm-hmm. um, it probably makes you a really effective planner because because it, mm-hmm. it's it's behavior based, right?
1: It is, and, and I think also you know I took this Gallup Strength Finders like you know six years ago in my leadership roles in my previous career in banking, but like harmoniousness and inclusiveness were the two big things that really stuck out, and so I try to keep that type of mentality with any any client that I work with, but one thing you mentioned earlier is the surgeon retreat about every one of these surgeons that are thinking about going to this retreat, identify themselves out of their value of being a surgeon. They don't probably yes. introduce themselves as a father or a husband or a business owner. They say, Oh, well, I'm a surgeon. And i do this, you know? Yes,
0: totally. It, you know, it's funny you bring that up because that's one of our first day activity mm-hmm. is introduce yourself, but don't include surgeon because <laughs> they do the, the guy who's putting it on said they'll, this is the first thing they'll say. I'm a cancer surgeon, you know, for X, Y, and Z. Cause that's, that's how they see themselves or, or what they associate with. Right. And
1: then there's a, there's, a, there's an identity crisis when they retire. They don't, you know, I'm a retired surgeon. I say, no, what do you yeah, do right. now? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> well, with the time we have left, Adam, it's been great talking to you. Um, you know, any listeners, if you're interested in being more efficient with your income, making that arbitrage between what you pay and what you earn. Uh, speak with Adam or myself, we'll introduce you to Adam through the, the Shred method. I think it's a great tool for building wealth. I might even look deeper into it myself. But my last question to you is what is your purpose and lasting legacy that you'd like to leave in your community, Adam?
0: Mm. You know, I've always said that I want to help people free themselves to be themselves um, because what I saw for years and years, you know, you in my introduction, you mentioned I was a financial educator and have been for the past 20 years. I was speaking on college campuses across the country and I've been on 750 different uh, college grounds in the last 15 years as a, as a guest lecturer. And I would ask students, how much will you have in student loan debt when you graduate? And the number one answer I got was, I don't know. And I was so petrified for them because what I see today is I see this whole generation of young people and and not even young people, people in their forties, fifties, and sixties, that are still paying off debt and not able to live the life that they truly thought they were going to live. And so in effect, they're, they're working to live. They're not, is it working to live or living to work? They're working to live. And I think the, the, the whole idea behind what we do is we should get up every day loving what we do or figuring out how to go pursue something that we love to do. And the issue is that debt and all the money decisions we've made and even the psychology that we grew up with has impacted our ability to do that. So my lasting legacy on my community specifically, whether it's local or global in terms of the Shred community, is we want to help thousands of people achieve financial freedom. Um, Because once they achieve that, they can have time freedom and relationship freedom and service freedom and everything that goes along with it. That's that's what I'd like my lasting legacy to be.
1: That is a great lasting legacy. I I feel that because if things are tied up emotionally or 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 whatever, you can get over that. But when things are really tight monetarily, it creates a lot of friction for all the other things you're trying to accomplish. Indeed. Indeed. So starting with that is a is a really good jumping point to everything else.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for joining us Adam. Where can our listeners find you?
0: Uh, the best place to go, Stephen, is theshredmethod.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about Shred and how it works, we have an evergreen webinar that's plays all the time and you can go in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, see exactly how this system operates. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about me, you can go to Adam Carroll. That's two R's, two L's, dot info, info. And my TED Talk is there. I did a documentary on student loan debt. There's uh, some speaking information. It's all out on that site. So either one of those would be great.
1: I'd also like to mention that we are going to be doing a joint webinar in August, and I believe that's August 24th. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. What time can
1: we, can, are we on 10 a.m. EST?
0: Uh, uh, 10 a.m. EST on the 24th. Yep.
1: So if anyone's interested, reach out to us. We'll send you a link. You can also find that on my website, huskyfinancial.com under events. You'll find our webinar. Cool. Adam, thank you so much for your time, man. Steven, thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit.